We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal today. I'm super excited to have Ginger Lumen on the show. She's going to talk about her recent book that she just wrote about project-based learning. And we're going to reminisce a little bit about the old days when we first got connected and we did this really big, awesome project during the 2008 election which is crazy to think that was eight years ago and how much has happened since then. But I hope you enjoy it and what a great opportunity to speak with an old friend. Welcome to the Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have my good friend Ginger Lumen on the show today. She and I first met a long, long time ago when I first joined Twitter. She was probably one of the first people that I really interacted with that I developed a friendship with that I didn't know in person. So I'm excited to have Ginger here. Ginger, thanks so much for being here. I am so excited to be here talking to my uh, my friend of long ago. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me, Jethro. <laughs> no problem. So can you first introduce yourself to um, our listeners and talk about what you're doing and what you're passionate about and then We'll get into a bunch of other stuff like your book and our relationship and all that stuff. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Ah, sure. Uh, I am a keynote and consultant for an educational nonprofit service center in Hutchinson, Kansas called ESDAC. And I get the wonderful pleasure to be able to travel across not only Kansas, but also uh, the U.S. and even into some countries, helping teachers figure out how to do school, how to do teaching and learning differently. Um, my bread and butter is project problem passion-based learning. I, I love helping teachers figure out how to integrate technology 
more seamlessly. I do a lot of with maker education recently, uh, helping teachers transfer from great STEM projects into more maker education, more student-centered stuff. <laughs> That's a technical term, stuff. And um, I guess I've always got my 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 friends uh, gifted education in my back pocket. So that's kind of, I see them all, uh, while there's very separate sort of topics, I see them all really as the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about how, well, let me share my perspective first, and then I'll let you talk. <laughs> so um, when I first joined Twitter, I immediately saw that there was power to connect with others and and start doing really cool things. And that was a really long time ago, and Twitter was still fairly young, and there weren't a ton of people on there. And so those who were on there were really excited to connect and do cool things with other people. And it was pretty cool when you and I first connected because what I saw was, here's somebody that I can learn a great deal from and that we can participate in something pretty cool and powerful. And I've said since then, I've had like five different jobs since then, and they've (laughs) all been promotions. And so I've always been moving up. And I've said that I every job I've gotten has been because of Twitter, not because I made a connection and then that person hired me, but I made a connection, learned something I needed to learn, and then was able to use that in my in my next job. And so mm-hmm. it's been a great place for me to learn. And doing the uh, campaign trail wiki with uh, like students from, what was it, three countries and five different states or something oh, in, the, yeah. in the 2008 election, that was where I saw the real power of being able to connect with other educators. So... Anyway, it was just uh, that was my remembrance of uh, of how we first connected and how powerful that was for me. I saw how you can collaborate and work together with others, and it was just really awesome. So, any thoughts on that, Ginger? Well, I, I agree with you so much there. I, I know back then, then back two thousand seven, two thousand eight, we uh, those of us who were on Twitter were reaching out. It's uh, that we were so isolated from our local colleagues and peers. Everybody looked at us like we were some sort of, yeah. some sort of unicorn when we started talking about, you know, you can connect with other classrooms. And they're like, what? <laughs> and so if, we were, if, if you were in the world trying to do something different, there, it was a lifeline. And, and that's, what, that's what you were to me. That's what our friends in Connecticut and Long Island and, and in France and uh, where we were reaching out and looking at different perspectives. You know, I, I live in central Kansas now, but uh, back then it was in eastern Kansas, so two hours away. But, but it, it, um, that um, people have a, a stereotype of who my kids are before they even meet them. And, uh, and I needed my kids to, to reach out and to, to fight through their own stereotypes of other folks. And I'd, I've actually never, well, I now have, but back then I'd never been to Utah. And, and I thought, oh, let's check out this guy and, and see what his classroom is like. And any chance to get my kids to see the greater world, because some had never even left Kansas before. And, and to me, that, that, that was heartbreaking. And, uh, so it's yes, it's a powerful tool. Always has been, and just connecting in general. Uh, now there are so many other people on Twitter, and it's really noisy. and And I still love it. 
It's it's the it's the personal connections. You'd you'd asked earlier how did we connect? I thought, oh Lord, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. As far as I know, I've always known you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that how did we connect? That's that's really true. I feel like I've always known you, and so you've always been a a friend of mine. So the um, campaign trail collaboration in two thousand eight. I was teaching English, and you were at Turning Point learning center and we were working on you know learning about the 2008 election and uh in the show notes i've got a link to the wiki that is still up right now that you can go and and look at and see what our students were doing so long ago and you know what's cool is that there's a lot of that page that you know didn't ever get finished mm-hmm. and that's okay too because it doesn't have to be a completed thing for some of these project-based or passion-based or or whatever kinds of activities to be perfect. But what matters is that you're doing it. And I just remember my students saying, whoa, we've got someone from France who's talking about this too. And, you know, being able to start asking kids, other kids questions and learning about their other other places was just amazing. And so, yeah, we, we were definitely isolated from our peers because nobody was doing this, but at the same time we were hyper connected with each other and with other students because we were doing this and it's, it's just exciting. And your ability to bring a whole bunch of different people together is really incredible. So I attribute that all to you getting us all going, which is pretty awesome. That's nice of you to say. I was living in a world where I could do just about anything I wanted to do education-wise with my kids. And I thought, well, if I can, I have an obligation to. And so I, I'm not sure that I got us all together. I, you know, there was um, Lisa Parisi in uh, New York and uh, Paul Bogush in Connecticut. And, 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 and when we open it up, people reach out. To me, that's, it's not just one person or two people or three people. It's, it's all of us who, who, uh, who make it happen. Yeah. So thanks for the little, uh, reflection there. That was, that was cool for me. Let's jump in and talk about your book. Tell us about the book that you just wrote and especially why you felt like it was finally time to, to finish writing that. Cause I know you've been writing it for a while. So talk a little <laughs> bit about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, the school that we had built there in Emporia uh, was such a special school. Um, I got tapped on the shoulder. I was teaching gifted education at the time, and they said, hey, Ginger, we want you to uh, start a school. We want a school because we know that we've got kids in our community who want to learn but who for some reason aren't learning, and we want you to run that. And I said, no stinking way. I'm a teacher, not an administrator. (laughs) No way. And they said, well, we talked to the superintendent's council, and they said it needed to be you. And first of all, I was scared that the superintendent's council was uh, talking about me, and I didn't even know know we had one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I thought I was flying under the radar, turns out. Uh, And they, uh, they went ahead, and I said, okay, I'll interview you. And so I asked them about 50 questions, and they said, uh, I don't know, what would you like to do to almost every single one? And they said, you must be one-to-one laptop. This is back in 2006. It must be project-based learning, and that's it, Ginger. You can build this. So it was grades five through eight all smashed together, me uh, as their only teacher, because there were just 16 of them. 
And over time, we, uh, we doubled in size. We doubled in size again, and we nearly doubled again. And by the time I left, we were K through 8, and we're in the process of building a high school. It was, I could do what was good for kids, like all across the spectrum. And, uh, and so, I had, like I said, I, I have an obligation, too. And, and, and it was really, it was working great. So when I stepped away from there and came to work here at ESDAC, I said, I've got to, and by the way, I'm not saying that this is all by myself. A guy named Kevin Honeycutt, if you don't know who he is, gosh, you've got to find out this guy. He, uh, he was in a consultant role, and he would come in, and he would, like, sprinkle yeah, some sort of, like, absolutely. Grandpa Santa Claus fairy dust <laughs> over with his crazy ideas. And I would say, I've got I to gotta make that happen, but it's got to be more than just fun, I mean, we've got to have real learning here because I've been seeing some PBL that was just fun. And I thought, I don't have time for that. i got parents staring at me. i got tests coming. If we don't pass these tests, they're going to shut our school down. I can't have it. And so through those lessons, the lessons that we had learned together, we decided that um, we needed to capture them. Because when you're in the process of doing it, it's hard to capture it. And so I, I, I came into this uh, consultant role and, and just started writing Fast and Furious. These are the projects that we would do. This is how we can make it better. If I would just to have a magic wand and try it again and, and the lessons. And then as I started teaching people how to do PBL, because just because you can do it doesn't mean you're good at teaching other people how, I found out, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but in the process of writing the book, I learned how to communicate about it. And and sometimes I'd get so busy. Why well, sometimes? It's, it took me five years to write this thing. And we've called it Lessons for Life Practice Learning. And we call it life practice because if we're supposed to be getting kids ready for real life, then we should be practicing life in school right now. And, and so that's been the, the inspiration. And, and I do different work than the big PBL gurus in the world. And I love them. Lord, I love them. I appreciate that they're there. But I know that from a teacher's standpoint, they could be intimidating. Well, you have to do it this way, and it has to be this. And, and, and teachers, if they, if they can't make it right, then they're not going to do it. And so I found kind of a middle ground to help walk those teachers across that, that innovation gap, that, that fear gap of, okay, you know what? You don't have to do it perfectly like them. Let's just start right now. And that's what the book's about. It talks to a teacher's heart, a mind, the realities of PBL. I would love to go have a Change the World project, but the truth is I got Tess staring me in the face. Okay. So let's do what we can, and then once you get that one under your belt, let's take a, let's take a further step. That's what my passion and niche has been in, these, uh, in my role as a consultant and in writing this book. Yeah, well, you know, it's fascinating as, as you talk about that. Like, looking back, you can see how you did it, but the reality is, is that when you're in the thick of it, you're just trying to do something different and cool and engaging for your kids, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just swimming as hard as I can and trying to keep them interested and wanting to come to school while they're still learning. Yeah. And what I found so fascinating was that when we did the campaign trail collaboration, we had an idea of what that was going to look like, but we didn't know all the little details. And it's something that you can plan to do some things, but a lot of it has to be an idea of allowing the kids to take it in the direction that they want to. Right. Mm-hmm. So that they're excited and engaged about it. So, you know, that was a while ago and I've learned some things and you've learned some things. So what are some of the ways that you that some things you need to have in place as you're teaching people like when you teach them, what are some things they need to have in place so that they can be 
successful in in implementing project based learning well there's 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 i think so many different levels one thing we need to understand the difference between projects and project based learning because they're not the same just because you're doing projects just doesn't make it project based learning and 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 to know that uh, that at its root, and again, the gurus will tell you it has to be this and that, and, and, and that's, that's probably true. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I want to find a space for all of us to be able to grow. And so I like to think that it, it all boils down to when the kids are learning. If I say, you're going to do this, we're going to read this chapter, we're going to do this activity, whatever, and then you're going to create something that tells me what you learned, that's projects. But if it's, I've given you a question or a challenge, or you, even better, start to come up with your own questions or your own challenges that you want to solve, then, and then you're learning by answering those questions or solving those challenges, then that's project-based learning at its root. You can, you can put a bunch of different dressing on it, but uh, as, as much as you can, it's the learning by doing. Uh, I, I talk with teachers about that and help <laughs> calm their hearts and stomachs uh, about that concept. And, and then we talk about how to help kids have their choice and voice and how do we manage all that? Uh, how do we make sure that our kids are, are actually working and not uh, in groups, uh, in group work or singly? Or when do we choose? And, and, and do we choose or do they choose? And, and what, what's optimal for that throughout uh, the process? And here's the thing is, I think that it's so many, many, many choices that some folks get overwhelmed. Because as teachers, we were taught to tell the kids what to do, how to do, and when to do it. And so then in project-based learning, when we're not telling them those things anymore, the teachers, oh, then they're just crazy. And, and well, yeah, there's, I'm not saying there's no structure. And that's what the book has really done is laid out a process of, of what I call optimal ambiguity. It's the, and, and folks are starting to use that term now, and I'm glad they are, uh, but it's the idea of how do I create an environment where kids are a little unsure and the brain and the mind wants to make sense of things. And if I make sense for them, then I own that learning. But if I create an environment and say, gosh, I don't know, how could we do this? And I support the kids in learning how to make their own decisions, how to live with their own consequences, good or bad, how to recover from them, good or bad, then I'm really teaching them life skills. And, and, and to know that each kid is different in their handling of ambiguity and bringing the art of teaching in to know who needs more support and who needs less support and why and when, and be okay with not every kid being the exact same. Because guess what? They're not. And to think that they are and to treat them all the same, well, we're cheating a whole lot of kids when we're doing that. So that's, that's what the process, the book lays out. Uh, a very, very, I think, clean, but that's my, <laughs> that's my ambiguous mind sometimes, is uh, step one, you know, creating the launch. How do we get the, the project, the challenge, the question where the kids are like, what? I can't wait. I mean, if we can hook them from the start. So let's make sure our launch is good. And then it goes through the process of how do we make sure our groupings ready to go? How do we make sure that we have high expectations of learning? You know, just because they've got say in it doesn't mean that we're accepting uh, subpar work. You know, how do I make sure that the stuff they're researching is really high quality? And if it's not, what do I as a teacher do? Because it is my responsibility, ultimately, to make sure they're learning. And we talk about presentation. There's just so much in the book that it's, it's to me, it's like getting me in your classroom all the time, every day. So uh, when I do, uh, when I go out and travel and talk with teachers in schools, uh, they, they, the first day they ask me questions. The second day, after they've had some chance to process it in the evening, they come back and they ask me the same questions because now they're looking at it with a different point of view. The book 
helps you go further and further each time. So you can read it over and over and it'll be, as you get more experience with PBL, your experience with the, the learning of it gets more complex. And, and the book seems to travel with that. That's what folks are telling me. So it's my intent. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the, uh, for me, when I first started doing PBL stuff, then it was really just, you know, I don't know what to do. And so I didn't think about the launch. How do I get kids excited about it? Because I just said, we're going to do this and hopefully you'll be excited about it. And, you know, setting it up correctly, I think is really important. And then the groupings, I didn't give much thought to that at first. And, you know, I, I had to learn a lot of that stuff on my own and, and figure out how to make it, make it happen in a real way for our kids. So I'd like if, if it's okay with you, if we just go through a couple of key points from some of those sections in your book. I put a link to the book in the show notes from Amazon. You can get it on the Kindle and um, I'd highly recommend that you do one to support Ginger because she's awesome. And two, to um, uh, to help yourself learn how to do um, PBL better. I'm also going to say this. I'm going to give you a link to Jethro because if you buy the hard copy on Amazon, Amazon makes us charge more than I wanted to. Um, mm. We have it on our on our on our website at ESDAC, which is ten dollars less. Uh, mm. But the Kindle—that's something else too. Is I, I don't understand why people make people buy Kindles at the same price as a hard copy. I think what yeah. <laughs> it should be way less. And so I fought again what they said. You need to do this, and I made the Kindle like I don't know something like ten dollars. So cool. I wanted it accessible for every teacher and their poor salary. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, awesome. Thank you. I'll put the link to Aztec in there as well. So thanks for indulging me in that little bit of personal connection with Ginger. She's been an awesome support for, you know, most of my career, and it's been pretty awesome. So the link to her book is in the show notes. So if you are interested, please go get that and take a minute to uh, share this episode with everybody that you know really everybody. I've had some great responses lately about uh, after the leadership summit and everything. And I really appreciate people reaching out and just want to say thank you for supporting the podcast and listening to it and, and sharing it with others. Next week, I'm going to talk to Ginger some more and we're going to get into some pretty awesome territory about project-based learning and even bring up a really controversial idea that I'm pretty excited to hear you talk about regarding language arts classes. So look forward to that. That's coming next week. Thanks so much for listening. Transformative Principal is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. 
When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.